action. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics, joined currently by Obi. How are you? I'm sweet, mate. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Uh, we'll have Chris joining us a little bit later, but um, we've got quite a few films to talk about today and some film news. Uh, we'll wait for us to talk about the film news, as I'm sure he's got some opinions. Um, but we'll go straight in and talk about one of the uh, Oscar-nominated films, which is been um available to people who are fortunate enough to have amazon prime uh sound of metal so currently up for best picture best actor for riz ahmed best supporting actor for paul i want to say rachi or racy i don't know mm. how you say the name best original screenplay best film editing and unsurprisingly i think best sound uh if a film called sound of metal wasn't up for best sound then yeah. it failed um <laughs> So this is basically the story of um, a drummer called Ruben, who uh, quite near the beginning of the film um, essentially loses most of his hearing. And then um, with the support of his girlfriend, Lou, uh, gets kind of placed in this uh, rehab facility for those recovering with substance abuse, as well as, uh, you know, him learning how to become deaf, essentially. And uh, Paul Rassi, I'm going to go with, uh, plays Joe, who is is a like the sort of patriarch of this facility. Um, but that is quite a, I think, succinct way of, of describing the film. Um, so I just want to get your thoughts on the film as a whole, and then uh, specifically your opinion on its worthiness, I guess, for mm. those six categories it's up for. Um, yeah, so I enjoyed the film. Um, I think it's really unique. I haven't watched a film about this subject matter before. Um, and I like the way that they kind of, um, in its new, in its uniqueness, they tried to, like, the, like you say, they were edited for best sound. Like they tried to incorporate that into what the film's about, which I thought was really well done. Um, so I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, uh, I think acting all around is pretty, pretty solid solid to very good um Riz Ahmed is like one of those actors now who I think he I want to watch stuff that he's in because he's in it if that makes any sense yeah. um and yeah I just didn't I enjoyed the way he portrayed that character um I have a couple issues with uh the film nothing major really it's just um just a few things that I thought bothered me just a, a little bit I guess um I don't know if you want to get into that first or if you want to move well, what, was one of them Olivia Cook's eyebrows Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but they were dirty. <laughs> I didn't understand that either. It was, it was really hard, but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Overall, I def- I definitely enjoyed it. Um, whether or not it's worthy to be nominated for best picture, mm, I don't know. Uh, I'm on the fence because I think it's a good film, but then, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, oh yeah, like I th- obviously, best picture. Uh, films for me are deserve for films I think are great. Uh, do I think this film's great? No. Do I think it's good? Sure. Uh, will I watch it again? No. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what kind of where I land on it. But it is a good film. What, what do you What do you think? I yeah. Um, I think for me, um, I thought it was fine. I think I sort of had a preconception of it, which. Um, led me to be slightly underwhelmed 
mm. um, which is not the fault of the film necessarily. It's my fault. But, you know, it's up for six awards, including Best Picture. The fact that it's, a you know, it's called Sound of Metal, it's about a drummer who loses his hearing. I, and I presumed that it would have a similar vibe to Whiplash. Um, I've not film. seen that, but is it good? I want to watch it. Whiplash, I think, is, well, I've only seen it once when it came out few years ago but that was i thought was really really good okay. uh, miles teller and jk simmons uh, so that's about a drummer but it's pure just drumming and i sort of thought there'd be more of, of that drumming aspect here i thought it would maybe like a third of the way through he'd start to lose his hearing or it'd be more progressive that's what i thought yeah he lost it really quickly yeah so like yeah. the opening scene is him drumming and then i think you get maybe one other drumming scene mm. and uh within the first like 20 minutes he's basically yeah you've got 20 percent of your hearing Mm. um so i think after that like the pace of it was quite slow which i don't mind but Mm. um i just thought the acting was very strong and i do understand why riz ahmed was nominated um i get that best picture maybe not best Mm. original screenplay again i didn't think it was anything special um, I don't know. I think yeah, that the the merits of it are you know a film with a lot of uh, American sign language, um, yeah. which like, like you said is something we don't see very often. The kind of um, deaf experience. I mean, Riz Ahmed himself is not deaf, but Paul Racy, um, Racy, I'm butchering that. Sorry, Paul. Um, he is the hearing child of deaf parents, so he knows American okay. Sign Language. Oh, um, before I just interrupt really quickly, I really liked as well, um, whilst we're talking about it, the deaf thing, I really liked as well how um, we didn't see, like, obviously, ev- throughout the film, people are doing sign language, but we don't see the subtitles until um, Riz Ahmed's character knows sign language. Yeah, and then we I- start seeing what, that, what, what it means kind of thing. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I picked up on that as well. And I think like the the sound design, like you said, was really good. You sort of when it's um, Ruben's point of view, you sort of hear things as he would possibly hear them. So mm. either um, you know, beginning of the film as kind of normal, and then decreasing, and then when he gets his implants towards the end of the film, as sort of like quasi robotic yeah. view of the world. But um, yeah, it was like a it was a good film but i sort of thought that i don't know i sort of let, was left wanting a bit more from it like more drumming more with lou who you know is not in it very much um, yeah my thing with with lou just to cut you off quickly sorry just my thing with lou is that um it seems like they make a big deal of how like these two saved each other from basically probably killing themselves her mm. through maybe suicide, him through um, substance abuse, which is which is which is a good storyline and very interesting, um, and it kind of culminates in the thing where these two saved each other's lives, and I think they make a point of um, uh, what's his name? Sorry, what's the kid? Ruben. Sorry, thank you. Ruben says he's talking to the doctor, and they oh no, he's talking to uh, maybe Joe, maybe Joe Rassi's character, and he says. Um, how long have you been sober? He says four years. He says, how long have you been with, jo- with Lou? He says four years. So that kind of like, uh, they helped each other to get over their, their demons kind of thing. But, and then it shows you towards the end of the film that, well, for Lou anyway, it seems that she's, um, hit her, him being, her being away from him 
has kind of like been beneficial for her. Um, but then because you didn't see beforehand, like, I don't think how bad it was or how like the, the bond or relationship, the, the relationship that them two had, it didn't really hit home when you see at the end, like that they kind of thought, okay, now it's time for us to, to be apart kind of thing. They both accepted that you see it, but you don't, I didn't feel it personally, which was a, a shame. Yeah. I agree with that. I also think, considering what we learn or know about Ruben's character before he goes to that depth of facility, he doesn't, he does put up a little bit of a fight, but once he's there the second time, it's sort of like he just accepts it and gets right into it. And there wasn't really much conflict there. Mm. And, you know, there was never really a threat of him kind of going back to the substance abuse. Which, yeah. you know, is great, but doesn't there was no kind of threat. It was just sort of like after that point, like quite easy. He just gets better at accepting his deafness, and and then it ends, which is is too He doesn't but... he doesn't accept his deafness, does he? Because he's always he sells all his stuff to fund that thing, which he thinks is going to cure his hearing completely. But then obviously he gets goes to the doctor, has an operation, and it's no, it's like not what he thought it was going to be. Yeah, but then by the end of it, he takes the implants out, doesn't he? And, and yeah. then he just sits there in silence. So, yeah, it was it was fine. It was one of those like indie films that I would never have watched. I don't think unless it had been nominated for Oscars. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I do think in maybe a, a non-COVID world where we had we would have had a lot more releases potentially. Don't think it would have quite got all of those uh, nominations, certainly the best picture I think that's fair Um, yeah I don't anticipate it winning Uh, let me just get the Oscars just while while you're getting up I'd feel like as well that the um, the ending was quite abrupt I didn't really, not abrupt but I just thought like when it ended I was like oh okay like (laughs) obviously I get it's him accepting his his deafness which is which is cool but i was just like oh okay before maybe we'd get like maybe like another scene maybe he goes back to the school and helps the kids do the do the do and um with the deafness and all that stuff but you know he just kind of ended and i was like oh all right sure yeah. yeah i mean riz is up against chadwick boseman uh in the best actor category so mm. i don't imagine he'll win that mm. um that time it's right at the bottom. It's ridiculous. Oscar's website. Not right at the top. Kidding me. You'd probably ruin best sound. Yeah. Again, you'd yeah. rather presume that. Can I was also <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Can I was just say that I'm I'm glad that there wasn't that much heavy metal music in this film because one scene of it is enough or I think a scene and a half is what we got. Because when it started and then they were doing the songs, I was like, oh, God, please don't let this be too much of this film. Because that's just the type of music that I just cannot stand up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Um, it's up against Trial of Chicago 7, Promising Young Woman, Nomadland, Minari, Mank, and Judas and the Black Messiah, and The Father in Best Picture. So I don't think it'll win that either. Mm. Um I certainly don't think it's got as strong a chance as Promising Young Woman, which is the next film that we are going to talk about. Um, so, 
Wikipedia describes Promising Young Woman as a comedy thriller. I would disagree with that. So um, would I. I would a, say it's a dark comedy. I would say it's a rape revenge film. Okay. Um, just without the actual showing of either of those things. Is that a genre of film? I didn't even know that was it. It is, yeah. It's more of like an exploitation type genre. Okay. But you've got films like um, I Spit on Your Grave mm. uh, is, is one of the more famous ones or infamous ones. Essentially, it's like a kind of shocky uh, exploitation film where a woman will be assaulted mm. and then spend the rest of the film killing her um, abusers, essentially. Okay. Um, so this is, I would say, a more kind of post-feminism look at that genre mm. in the sense that it follows uh, Carrie Mulligan's Cassie, um, who is basically a dropout from like university after, I think, uh, one of her friends was assaulted and, and then just her friend off like before the film starts has died like suicide we presume um and so she basically spends her evenings uh pretending to be drunk in nightclubs and bars um to basically draw out the predators who then under the guise of protecting her Mm. are like oh I'll take you home and then it's like oh this is my apartment um, <laughs> why don't we just go up here for a drink yeah. and then wait until they are about to take Talk advantage up. of her mm. and and then she's like what are you doing and basically confronts them mm. um, so we see a couple of incidents of that um, including McLovin uh, <laughs> 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 um, Plasser. and then she basically meets a guy um, played by Bo Burnham called Ryan, who, you know, she sort of is maybe catching feelings for, but she's, like, not really sure. Um, and and then she sort of goes and confronts the people who basically took no action against her friend's mm. um, assaulter, uh, including the dean of the university, one of the girls who was there uh, before finally um, the guy himself, called Al, who, at her at his bachelor party, she dresses up as like a nurse pretending to be a stripper and ties into the bed and uh, like cuts her name into uh, her friend's name, Nina, into his chest. Um, but, spoiler alert, he kind of gets a hand free and ends up smothering her, killing her, um, which I think is one of the big controversial points in this film. Um, mm. It's garnered, this film's garnered a lot of conversation um i personally thought it was brilliant in like the sort of just not sticking to your kind of expectations Mm. um it was a very kind of unpredictable film and an important film in in sort of like blatantly highlighting like predatory behavior um mostly by men, but also how women can be complicit in it. Um, mm. Because Alison Brie plays a character called Madison, who um, I think, like, essentially, like, just, like, slut-shame her friend or something, or just wasn't, like... I think they just they just assumed she was um, exaggerating because, yeah, the girl liked to sleep around, I think. That's what yeah, 
So she she invites her out to dinner, gets her really drunk, and then hires a man to basically wake up next to her. And she's like, mm. "Oh my god, did this happen to me?" And and so she basically, yeah, concocts these situations where the the people who either didn't do anything or you know look the other way or didn't believe are then put into those situations where they have to believe because mm. it's their own daughter or themselves. And, and mm. uh, it really makes you as an audience think. Um, so that's where I sort of would put it in the rape revenge genre. Okay. Um, even though you don't ever see the actual uh, crimes, I guess. Um, mm. But yeah, what did you think? And what did you think particularly about the fact that Cassie dies at the end? Um, so yeah, I liked it a lot as well. Um, I thought it was interesting, funny at times, and thought-provoking as well. Because I think like it's funny because like one of the main like I suppose themes of uh, when um, Cassie is, tr- is tricking these men is like they all say oh yeah I'm a good guy like I'm a mm. nice guy and that's like like a lot of the time that these nice guys in bird commas are the ones who are like also like very like uh, predatory so it was interesting to, to, to try and um, expose that side of you know um sexual assault because it's not always the guy who's like super physical super aggressive with women but it's the, the guys who pretend they're nice and say oh yeah let me take you home and let me be nice to you blah blah blah, blah. um oh um so yeah i really enjoyed that part of it um and the film in general i think although i kind of said um that i didn't think it was really a thriller there were a couple moments where i thought it was pretty tense um, those being the the moment with um, the the dean of the university or principal wherever it was, mm-hmm. and the bit with the um, with Alison Bree's character, I thought those bit were really tense, and I was even I was I was like glued to glued to the screen like oh shit like what actually happened like kind of thing. So yeah, that was really that was really good. Um, so yeah, overall I really enjoyed it. But me personally, um, I didn't like the her the fact that Cassie died. Um, or was, was murdered um, because I think it's really it's all really it's really good that like this film is um, portraying this genre of um, re- uh, rape revenge or revenge rape whichever one whichever around it goes um, but I feel like it kind of it under even though it was unpredictable and I always praise films for being unpredictable it undercuts the theme that although you know she got you know she I suppose she got her revenge in the end but she had to die for, for for that to happen. I just think it was a, that's that that made me sad. I'm not gonna lie. I, was, I wanted her to her to uh, beat them, and like, I want them to go to prison and stuff, and her to be alive. You know? Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's a problem with wanting that to be the be the end story. No, you know? but I think um, I think the director Emerald Fennell um, basically said that she she would have found that too unrealistic and too fair, much of yeah. like a kind of fantasy ending you know she she gets these people arrested which they do they like so they kill al and his friends kill cassie but then at his wedding she's she's she was aware that she could die and so had like a backup plan and and they all get arrested but um yeah emerald fennel said um yeah it's it's not you know for her to put herself in these situations uh you know and to basically come out unscathed yeah. Uh, is not realistic and unfortunately for a lot of these women who that's true yes. do, are in these situations and do have these events happen to them like don't survive that's true um, so I think I, 
I think so, the I think it deliberately is contentious to like provoke debate. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I was just going to say that it's um it is kind of uh, interesting if you compare it to like a film like Get Out, for example, where they had the actual ending and they had the alternate ending, and I think Jordan Peele said the alternate ending is more realistic, but the um the actual ending that they gave is that kind of like the fantasy ending. So at least to give um to give like black people a uh we're trying to I'm trying to word it to give them a sense of hope yes okay yeah thank you that's that's better a sense of hope and it's interesting obviously comparing that to this obviously the two genres the two categories aren't the same at all but um comparing an ending where it could have been a a happy ending which I think a lot of people would have expected but then let's say no let's be realistic with this so I get it. I think there's two, there's there's uh, pros and cons to both possible outcomes. So yeah, yeah. I mean, um, like I said, I really really liked this film. Um, I thought it was you know kind of brave in in a lot of ways. Like you mm. said, the dark comedy element. Like so when Al um, has killed Cassie by smothering her, um, his his mate, I think it's Winston oh. Schmidt from New Girl. What oh, is that him? I, I recognised <laughs> him, but I wasn't sure from where. Um, yeah, he plays a guy called Joe. And so, like, he comes into the room and is like, fucking hell, is she dead? And then Al's, like, crying and he's like, it wasn't me, I didn't mean it. That's what, but the way that it was shot and the the wording they used uh, was very much like a friend consoling someone who had been assaulted. Yeah. It was like, it's not your fault, you yeah, know, it's their yeah, fault, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And that was, like, comic in an absurd way. It's like, you are watching someone who assaulted someone and then killed their friend, but they're consoling them in that way. It was very kind of perverse, but also like, again, making a real hammering home that point of like these guys, you know, could really twist it and get away with it. Um, and, you know, how helpless the, the woman is. Um, but I think Carrie Mulligan um, was a really good performance. Yeah, I think... There was some critic who who said that she wasn't like I, I don't remember the exact wording, but I think there's an assumption that it could have been maybe more attractive people to play her, and I was a bit like, why does that matter anyway? But it's she's up not, for she's not unattractive either, so I don't really understand. No, that. exactly. Um, but it's up for best picture, best director, best original screenplay, best actress, and best editing. Okay. So uh, just quickly, I wanted to say a couple of things as well. Um, I like the soundtrack of this film for a start. Um, yes, yeah. Paris Hilton. One of the songs was a Paris Hilton song. It was actually that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, the uh, yeah, I like the soundtrack. Um, I think me and you, me, me and you talked about this after we'd both seen it. I think I was confused, or I maybe not confused, but I didn't like the fact that she was kind of like this. We see her near the beginning of the film, like, uh, writing down names in a book and like maybe crossing them off with. Uh, either red or blue or black ink um, mm. and that doesn't really you know they don't really say what that's for or explain it further but I was kind of thinking or before when I watched the trailer for the film I was thinking oh, okay maybe this is a list of people who she killed or maybe something like that but I don't know they don't really tell you what what that's to do with so I thought no, that, 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 that would be a bit that's probably my only kind of criticism um, and it, there is on 
at Wikipedia, it does say a deleted scene shows Cassie with a bruise from an encounter with a potential rapist that put her in danger. She documents these encounters with a red mark and a notebook. But oh. yeah, it, it did for it to be like a semi-integral part of the film in the sense that she refers to it a lot. They don't really explain it, and I was a bit like, "Come on, you know." Mm. Yeah, and then the last thing was just that. Um, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. The last thing was that I enjoyed that for a little uh, twist with um, what's the boyfriend's name? Was it Ryan? Did you say? Yeah, I think so. With Ryan, where where you find out that he actually knew about um, her friend who got who got raped, and like nearish to the end, and then he just like turns on her and basically says like starts like cussing her out and stuff like that and I was like ah oh, see you're showing the true colours now so yeah I quite like that little that little turn in his character do you think she knew when he walked in that he when he walked into her little coffee bar that she, that she uh, do you think she knew that he was part like had witnessed it or do you think that came afterwards I think it came afterwards because I think I think she genuinely like liked him so I yeah. think I, I think if she and if she genuinely liked him she couldn't have I think she wouldn't have let herself get that close if she knew that he was involved or complicit in mm. uh, that incident, that sort. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think she's got a chance of best actress? She's up against Viola Davis, Andrade for the United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of Woman, and Frances McDormand for Motherland. Um, if I'm being totally honest, I've only seen two of those. I think five films that you mentioned. Um, so I will probably be able to give a more clear indication um, in a week's time when we do our Oscar nomination reaction podcast. Um, mm. So it looks for that. Um, but I would say she, she is, she's really good. Is she better than Viola Davis? Um, I would say, if, do you know what? If, if, it, if it was between those two and they gave it to her, I wouldn't have any qualms. That's yeah. Um, I think a lot of hype has, has gone to Frances McDormand. I think she won the BAFTA and the Golden Globe. But frustratingly, matter. Nomadland comes out after the Oscars. Um, <laughs> I'd be flat. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out on Star on Disney Plus. Oh, okay. At Wait, the end of time? April 30th, oh, I think. Okay. Uh, literally like a week after. Um, but yeah. Um, and the last thing I want to say on it is that uh, you mentioned the soundtrack. There's a version of Toxic. It's like a really like disconcordant, like sort of horror-esque style. Like they sort of really screech the violin um i think it plays when she goes into the house for the bachelor party and i was like that's i love i love a sick reworking of like a popular song so mm. yeah props to that really good film i would probably give it like an eight and a half yeah i'd agree with that um chris you should definitely watch it when you get a chance it's on uh now tv i think uh it's where we watched it um so welcome chris how are you doing you're on mute yeah i'm fine thanks mate how are you yeah all good thank you um so where shall we start do you want to should we talk about the film news um sort of break the pod up a bit so one of the things on the list is budget for the first season of Amazon's Lord of the Rings is reportedly $465 million. Yeah, this is insane. <laughs> you can buy two Knives Out films for that. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any word on how many episodes there will be. But I think it's eight. Eight. Okay, yeah. so that's about $60 million an episode. Yeah. It says on in this Deadline article I found that they are going to amortise some of that over the however many series they end up doing. So... You'd hope so, because fuck me. <laughs> you'd imagine you'd imagine a lot of that is going into like sets and things like that, which they can reuse. But I mean, even if you got four forty six episodes in the first season, that would yeah. still be more than you know Game of Thrones cost by the end. So I want to know how much, because um, like feel, well, I think Game of Thrones, how much was it per season? Like one hundred and thirty or something like that. Was the so most? It says it was a, it was about one hundred million a season by the okay. end. So that had really good special effects, I think, um, for the most part, the G- Game of Thrones. I'm curious to know how much uh, the Mandalorian had, because I thought that had really good special and practical effects as well. I'm just trying to think, like, what the hell could they be spending all this money on? <laughs> like, if, if, it, if it's on, like, practical effects in building sets and blah, 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 then I would expect this to be the, like, best looking... Hang on, who just went robotic there? I don't know, was that me? No, I think it's Chris. <laughs> Chris, I don't know if you're talking, mate. <laughs> Can we force mute? Yeah. I'll oh, mute him. Um, um, but, uh, what, sorry, what was I saying? I can't, sorry. Um, you're talking about special effects. Yes, so yeah, I was just thinking, like, I can't imagine what they could possibly be spending all this money on, so I would expect this to be, like, the most pretty fucking TV show I've ever seen in my life. Whether or not that makes it good or not, I don't know. Because it's not like they've got, like, really big actors that they might be paying loads of money either, so I don't know, I'm mm-hmm. baffled that it could be, it costs this much. So I think The Mandalorian um, is was about 12 and a half per episode, so okay. that's still 100 million a season. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, we're presuming eight to ten episodes. It could be a lot more. Therefore, you know, obviously the cost per episode would go down. But yeah, you're thinking like they still have like Hobbitville or Hobbitland, mm. whatever it's called, Hobbiton is still a thing in New Zealand. Mm. So you don't need to rebuild that. No. Um, so like, yeah, genuinely, what are you? I mean, Game of Thrones had tons of extras as well and all yeah. that stuff. To be honest, the more I, we talk about it, the more I'm I, thinking this figure must be bollocks. <laughs> I, I, I. I respect them though for spending that much money because they want to keep the franchise as good as good as it was, mm. not downgrade it. But and I do. Is... Go on, sorry, I, sorry. I do wonder what four hundred or five hundred million is going to get you. Is this dollars as well? Is this New Zealand dollars? What is this? It's American. American I'm assuming it's American dollars. But Chris, quickly, I was just going to say like, um, mm. I hear what you're saying about um, them like, preserving um, stuff and stuff like that. But I'm trying to think like, how much budget did the films have? I reckon it's probably it's probably more than more than what the films had. Or at least maybe like at least the like the last film. But I think really. they filmed some of them back to back, didn't they? It cost them ninety three million for the first one. Crazy. Four for the third one. Crazy. Four for the second one. No. Well, yeah, same for the second and third. Yeah. So how much is that all together? Like three hundred million. Two hundred eighty one. Two hundred eighty million. And then <laughs> the Hobbit: The Unexpected Journey, which is the first one, cost them one hundred eighty. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I can't see the other two at the moment, but I assume it was about the same. 180 again, 180. So all six of those films combined probably amount to that um, fee they're spending on the uh, series. 
So, like, I'm not, uh, like, a big Lord of the Rings fan. It'd be nice to have Ollie on this, but actually. I'm not a big Lord of the Rings fan, but just from when you tell me they're spending this much money on the series, I'm expecting big things, personally. Are they, like, getting, are they getting any, like, old casting or something? They haven't, if, I've looked, I looked at the cast and like, maybe if they do it, maybe they do it as, like, a, um, like a surprise cameo kind of thing, but I haven't seen any, anything about anyone, anyone from the original films returning, so. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, well, I'm gonna watch should... this. So, but yeah. They cast this yet then? Yeah, no, they've cast it. Yeah, I'm sure. It's, I'm sure they've started filming this. It's supposed to come out this year. Oh really? Yeah, I'm sure they've started filming already. We'll see how. Okay. Fair enough. That's a that is a huge sum, and and yeah, we'll wait to see. Um, this yeah. is the budget's two fifty million, so I assume the rest is done on marketing. But I haven't seen that, eh? I've not seen a single bit of marketing. <laughs> no. We've not even seen a trailer. No. And that leads me nice. Oh, so, the rights cost, the, the rights cost close to two, to US 250 million. What? Before any development or production cost, industry commentators describe this amount as insane, especially since Amazon agreed to pay the rights without any creative talent being attached to the project. As part of the deal, Amazon Stream Services Prime Video gave a multi-series commitment to the series that they that was believed to be for five se- seasons, with the possibility of creating a spin-off series as well. The series budget was expected to be in the range of 100 to 150 million per season, and was likely to eventually exceed 1 billion. Oh, okay. So, yeah, like they said, maybe this is, like, the bulk of it is, you know, sets and the costs of getting the licensing and stuff, and then the rest mm-hmm. of them will be more kind of understandable figures. But, um, yeah, still crazy. We'll wait to see whenever it comes out. Um, but as I was trying to ham-fist a segue in, um, mm-hmm. we, we haven't got a trailer for that, but we have finally got a trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So we had a little teaser um, poster, I think, on, uh, what are we today? Tuesday. Yesterday, yesterday, Monday, the 19th of April. Um, And it said like, oh, expect a trailer within a couple of weeks. And then about three hours later, we got a teaser trailer uh, because it was um, Simu Liu's birthday, who is playing Shang-Chi. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've all seen it. What did you guys think of, of the trailer? Um, I, I, I actually really liked it. I've seen it a few times now. Um, I, uh, I've known nothing about this character, so I'm always curious to, like, get, um, a story about characters that we don't know and what I assume will build towards, um, phase four and the new, like, Avengers team. Um, yeah, I think, this film could possibly be like I, this is stupid for me to say because I'm not um, I'm not Asian so I can't really say but I would hope that this film could be kind of like um, an Asian like Black Panther um, that might sound dumb to say because I'm, I'm not Asian but you know um, but I would hope that this could kind of like build and I would expect it to like um, to build um, build on top of like what probably is like a massive fan base in that region of the world um, and you like they show scenes of from them like in presumably in Asia doing the training. Like Chris said, it looked like the League of Assassins, like from DC kind of thing. That was pretty. That looked pretty cool. 
and you see like loads of different like fight stunts and coordinating like crouching targeting dragging all that sort of stuff but I just think it looked really cool and I'm really looking forward to, to seeing it personally yeah it looks alright uh, I don't think I'm that gassed about it but um, yeah it looked like he had some good visuals uh, is this the film that had loads of celebrities is like that's the Eternals the Eternals are. I was thinking like what's going on here um, yeah this is very uh, League of Assassins slash Iron Fist um, vibes uh didn't really see anything about the Ten Rings, did we? But I guess that leaves us with the actual film to find out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm neither here. It was a good. It was a good uh, trailer. Didn't show us too much. Uh, sort of kick-ass scene where he fly kick two people at the same time, or whatever you want to call that kick. And then we got a little cameo from the guy from Spider-Man on the tr- on the train. Um, what guy is that? Uh, it's some. I don't know if it was like a cutscene or whatever, but uh, the guy who sells hot dogs, there was a guy who sells hot dogs in the Spider-Man film and he asked Spider-Man to do a flip. Okay. He, he was on the train, apparently. I saw some video about it. But, um, cool. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rant about it, this trailer, but it was decent. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it looked, I mean, some of the action looked pretty cool. Um, like I said, we, we don't really know much about the character or or the, the kind of plot, but um, I think there's an assumption that the real Mandarin character will be in this yeah. film, as opposed to the, the fake one that they kind of trolled everyone with in Iron Man Three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like they said it. It's 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 kind of great representation for uh, the Asian community, particularly you know, um, like you said, with Black Panther did for kind of black people. This is chance for people from mm. the Asian continent to see themselves represented in a massive superhero film. Mm. Um, Asian director as well, which I appreciate. Yeah. Destin Daniel Cretton, who did mm. Short Term 12, um, amongst others. But yeah, so it was just, it's just nice to get some footage really, other than Black yeah. Widow. Um, yeah, and, seriously. <laughs> and I did get Iron Fist vibes, um, and I mean, League of Assassins, I was a bit, uh, dopey on the chat when you were telling me what about that I was a bit like huh? but I get it now um so yeah I mean interesting uh, action look cool he seems to have some bracelet when he's Shang-Chi whether what his actual powers are I'm not really sure but yeah you'd hope that there's some decent action in this so do we know what the um what the 10 rings I think it's supposed to be an organization what they actually are because I know that I remember them they mentioned it in Iron Man 1 but I can't remember why I don't know if it was to do with the terrorism that starts at the beginning of the film so is the Ten Rings are they like terrorists or what does anyone know not a clue no uh, let's see what the oracle of Wikipedia says the Ten Rings is a terrorist group that seeks oh, to destroy world peace um, in, they were hired by Obadiah Stone to kidnap Tony Stark in Afghanistan um, shout out Obadiah what a yeah Jeff, Jeff Bridges my guy <laughs> um <laughs> And they also were apparently mentioned in one of the Ant-Man films as a potential buyer of the yellow suit, a yellow jacket suit. Um, cool. Uh, yeah. Um, I look forward to it. I like Aquafina as well, so I'm glad that she's in it. Yeah. And then hopefully we'll soon get some trailer or something for uh, um, Eternals. 
Yeah, when's that coming out again? I don't know why I thought this was, it was coming out before this. I think it must be November, because this oh, is okay. September the 3rd, and then uh, I think November, and then Spider-Man All the Way Home, or whatever it's called, is coming back. <laughs> um, another trailer came out, Fast 9, 9 Furious. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they all sort of blur into one now, it, yeah. and, and, you know, people stay dead as long as they do in the Marvel franchise, so you get the return of of the um, is it Han? I think is the character's name who died in like anywhere from Fast Five to Number Eight. Again, they all blur into one. But uh, yeah, this is this is introducing uh, John Cena as Vin Diesel's brother. Um, Can I, I mean, say something really quickly about that? Um, yeah, just really quickly. I feel like a lot of people have a problem with the fact that. I think it's unbelievable that John Cena could be Vin Diesel's brother, and I don't understand why. Like, it could be they could be adopted, they could be foster brothers, they could be half brothers. I don't understand why people. Like, I've seen the most people saying, "Oh, it's so unbelievable! How can they be brothers? They're so unrealistic." And I'm like, "What? Like, you get people who are brothers who don't look alike all the time." But anyway, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jordana Brewster plays his sister, and mm. I, I'm not quite sure they're the same heritage. But hey ho, it's silly. Macho, yeah, just ball to the wall nonsense, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So you you put in the in the chat, Obes, going to space. I mean, <laughs> is it? Are we? <laughs> it looks. It looks like, well. It looks like they're maybe like hitting, at least hitting the atmosphere because um, what's it? Uh, Tyrese and um and Ludacris. They're in the in some sort of space rocket car. I don't know. And they put. They've got like some cheap space some sort of suit on and helmets on so you think maybe they're going at least towards space <laughs> so yeah man it looks, looks, cra- looks crazy <laughs> you know Ludacris is the perfect person to have in this film because his name describes yes. the films <laughs> Ludacris and and the thing is like if you watch like watch the trailer again yeah and every pretty much I will say uh, three quarters of the bits that have been diesel in it you're like you should be dead because he di- he should die about six times in this trailer, but clearly, obviously, he's superhuman. Like, oh my god, this this it's basically it's basically um a comic book film now, isn't it? Because <laughs> they can just do yeah, it. Like. they get re- just so ridiculous. But they're entertaining enough. Yeah, man. Any particular feelings on this, Chris? I haven't seen it. Don't care about it. Don't want to see it. Fair enough. So you're not even going to see it when it comes out. Didn't watch the last one. Oh, you didn't. I think he did. You were in the cinema with us, Chris. You didn't watch Hobbs and Shaw, I think, is the one you didn't watch. I've seen Hobbs and Shaw. I haven't seen... The... What's the last? What's the last? Well, what... The last one they brought out was Hobbs and Shaw. The one... I'm sure we watched it together. Me you, me and you. So is, the... is the last Fast and Furious the one where the lady has control of all the cars in the car park? Yeah. She... Oh, yeah, I have seen it. Yeah. I only saw it recently. Yeah, that was a dog shit film, and I don't know why they're not all in jail for murdering uh, hundreds of people. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I... So that... It was fun to begin with. Now nah, it's a bit like, uh, let's get these ten over with and let's never see this again. I, you know, I disagree. I like. I think it's still fun now, but it's just it's just not realistic, and I don't mind it not being realistic because, like, if you think about where they started, and when you get up to like with just drag racing, that's fucking boring. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I like Tokyo Drift, but not a lot of people like that film. I can't watch eight Tokyo Drifts. Do you know what I mean? Like, you get to Fast Five, and then they start introducing like heist shit, and then now you get to the stuff where now they're just yeah. like saving the world. So it's just like progressionally, 
progressively getting more and more, more and more nuts. I just, I don't like it, man. Yeah, yeah but the thing is, like, I so fast one. What really happens in that? I can't that film is that film is boring. Yeah, <laughs> fast two picks it up a little bit because it's a bit mm. more free, but again, not great. Mm. Then Tokyo Drift, I I enjoyed, but again, not the most entertaining. Also a bit confusing on, with the time jump and characters not being in it and being mm. in it. Yeah. Oh, did you guys catch a Bow Wow's in this one as well? Hey, what? Um, Bow Wow is in this going to be in this one? Oh, okay. Yeah. Reoccurring. I thought four and five were good, and maybe six. Four and five. One with the heist was good. Five. And the I one, like five. the one where Vin Diesel should have died from jumping from one car to another, that was also good. That was also five, probably. I can't remember. I, I feel like six and seven blur into one for me, so I'm not really sure. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they're all much of a muchness, but apparently it's going up to eleven. So, um, okay. Justin Lin, the director, has said that he came back into this franchise. So I think he did like. Three, four, five, and six. Yeah. Um, and then he said, "Oh, because they gave me a trilogy to wrap it up." I'm like, really? Is that necessary? So um, anyway, yeah. just quickly, um, Chris. Sorry, I'm just looking at it while I, uh, while I quickly, um, Google it. So I have heard because I, I feel like you like this, Chris, because you like Tokyo Drift. So, mm-hmm. um, the character ha- um, Han from Tokyo Drift. Oh yeah. Um. Have you seen um, the film, a film called Better Luck Tomorrow? Better Luck Tomorrow. Uh... Well, why do you look up and see if you've no. seen that? Okay, so it's apparently it's like the unofficial, apparently it's unofficially related to the Fast Fruit universe, and it gives um, background to Han's character. And apparently it's a it's a good film. So I'm planning on watching it. So I just want to let you know that in case you might want to give that, give that a whirl. Um, yeah, sorry, carry on. Ah, cool. Yeah, so that is. Uh, I mean, their titles need to start getting ridiculous now as well. You know, <laughs> they might as well call the next one really, really fucking fast and really, really fucking furious. Just like, you know, just sod it. I'm glad. I'm glad you're not in charge of titles. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what I say. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, far, they're, they're still the same speed. They're just a bit more furious, aren't they? So. Oh yeah, fast, but even more furious. Yeah. True. Do you think we're gonna get another? Um, do you think we're gonna get another Hobbs and Shaw film? Yeah. I feel like it didn't. I feel like it did do as well as they thought it would do. Oh, didn't it? I don't know. I feel like because the Justin first Lin said. Not... Sorry, Justin Lin said that they can come back into the franchise in the future. Yeah. Like back into the main bit. I think I think they wanted. Well, The Rock wanted to start off his own franchise, but I just feel like people didn't really gravitate to Hobbs and Shaw like they do. Well, the they spent 200 million and they made 750, 760. Okay. So, or they boxed up as 760. So they did well, just not as well as. Yeah, because the ones before it made, I'm sure they made like a billion each. Yeah. Um, eight and nine. Or no, seven and eight, sorry. Yeah. Well, I think we spent far too much time talking about. <laughs> um. The last bit of film news that we were going to discuss is that Alfred Molina has uh, come out and said that he will appear in Spider-Man oh, Long Way Home, what's it called? Really near home? Take me home? Oh, home, I don't know. Home Slice? Um, yeah, that they're doing that. that. He's going to be in that as Dr. Octopus, Doc Ock, and it will basically pick up, his storyline will pick up 
soon after when he was thrown into the river at the end of Spider-Man 2, 17 years ago. So, yeah, thoughts on that? I mean, that's pretty interesting. What are you talking about? You say we d- you don't know what we're talking about. I don't know who you're talking about. Doc Ock. Oh, right. Yeah, don't care. I mean, I, sound, I think it sounds pretty interesting. And again, it, if it links into um, the other film, the older films, then I'm all for it. Yeah, man. Sounds good to me. Uh, I just thought they're just, they're just going to take us for mugs again. So I'm just trying not to get hyped about it. I feel like they're going to take us one direction and just just completely U-turn it and not make it what we think it's going to be about. I mean, I think I don't think there's anything wrong with that, in fairness, because the last thing I want, anyways, to to predict how the film's going to go, I'd rather it subverted my expectations in I, that way. I don't, I don't want to be able to predict film, but like to entice us into thinking there's going to be a multiverse and then don't actually bring us a multiverse. Um, you know what, Chris? I think there will be a multiverse, and the only only reason I can say that is because the film after this is going to be multiverse of madness. So I reckon it has to lead into that, really. Well, I think it does, anyway. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point, actually. I mean, I agree with you, Chris. I'm now, I've been burned by um, uh, Quicksilver in, in WandaVision. Um, so I don't necessarily want to hope that, mm. you know, that he, he, like, he could just be, he says he's going to be digitally de-aged for some of it. So, like, it could just be a random glimpse, it, you know, we don't know what it's going to be. And to be honest, I don't want to know. Um, I think we've discussed loads of times on this podcast about, you know, film franchises or, or film studios have a, have a compulsion, you know, to give us loads of information. Like, I think there was something before episode five of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and it was like, oh, there's going to be a cameo in this one. But why do you need to tell us that? And then, and then, uh, you know, we'll discuss that episode in a minute. But then, we're, then we're like, oh, was this the cameo? Was that the cameo? Like, you sort of end up questioning it. And I mean, I saw on Twitter today that um, the first seven minutes of Mortal Kombat have been released online, like, but not leaked. But like, the studio was like, hey, here's seven minutes. Why? You've already given us a trailer. Why do you want to show us the first seven minutes? Like. <laughs> I think they want. I sh- well, I assume that they want. I agree with you, but I assume they want to entice the average, the average fan. Like someone like me, um, who is not a Mortal Kombat fan in any way, might have to be convinced to watch this film. So I understand why they would do that. But seven that, minutes. Is that's the point of a trailer. Yeah. If the trailer doesn't entice you, and the trailer did entice me because I saw that trailer and I, and I was like, that that is sick. I don't really know much about Mortal Kombat, but you know. And the first, seven, I've not seen the first seven minutes, but you know, the first but seven like, minutes of, of any film. Unless, it, sorry, go on. Sorry, finish. I was just gonna say, like, I don't know, but unless the first seven minutes is like a sick action scene, you might as well have just done a, another mini trailer. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. I was just gonna say, like, releasing. What harm does it do releasing the first seven minutes? Nothing, I guess. Mm. But yeah, it just seems. A bit strange. Well, maybe in the water because, like, in seven minutes, you can probably see a few of the characters. Do they bode well with the audience? Do we like the special effects? Is It'd be a bit late to do that. It's coming out on Friday. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what's the point of doing seven minutes. I think they, they did something similar. Do you remember when Aquaman was coming out? They released like a five-minute-long clip from um, one of the fight scenes. I think maybe the 
the one where they're in Italy. Um, which, to be fair, um, when I watched it, I was like, oh, shit, like, because I thought it was a really good scene. Probably the best scene in the film, if I'm being honest. Um, I thought, and that got me quite hyped for it, so maybe there's a really good scene in the first seven minutes. I don't know, I'm just pulling, catching at straws here, really. Mm. Yeah, who knows, but I do want to see that. Um, so it comes out Friday, but we won't probably get to see it until May 17th or so, when cinemas in the UK reopen. But oh, yeah. Hey, ho. What's that, Chris? Sorry. Uh, what? Nothing, mate. Nothing. Oh, okay. Right. We <laughs> no, no. Don't contact. Pay for your films. Um, <laughs> so, and did you did you hear the little? Uh, did you hear the interview with uh, Wyatt Russell about the potential cameo in Falcon and Winter Soldier? I heard him say something about Steve Rogers. Yeah, you know that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Oh, what? He came out and said that it, it's going to happen. He. He said something in jest about episode six, and it and it it half implied that we would him standing side by side with Steve Rogers. That that's how I took it, but I don't think he necessarily meant like the physical thing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it could be like a picture or a cutout. I mean, it could be the old picture, like it doesn't like who, do we like? Is it going to make it like? Unless Steve Rogers is going to come and kick his ass, like, it don't really make any difference. Yeah, I mean, you know, that storyline's over. They just need to let sleeping dogs lie. Um, I've, I've, I'm getting Paul Bettany vibes from that, to be honest. Mm. Um, just being like, oh, it's great cameos. I've always wanted to work with this actor. It's yourself, mate. Bastard. Um, but yeah, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode five, was... One hour long, or 53 minutes, which excluding uh, edits. Um, what happens in this episode? Can someone remind me? Because I genuinely can't remember. So, John Walker is on his way. He's, like, uh, found himself at a warehouse, running, realising what he's done from the previous episode. Um, he's chased there by Sam and Bucky. They have a pretty cool fight. Um, in which Sam regains the shield. Um, John Walker gets, I think, like arrested or court-martialed or whatever. He gets stripped of all his Captain America, whatnot, whatnot. Um, and then he gets found out, but found by some random lady. Um, and she says, I'm going to call you, but we don't see anything after that. And then um, Bucky goes and finds uh, Zemo in Sokovia. Um, um, kind of proves to him that he's not the killing machine he once was uh, with the whole gun and empty bullets then he Zemo gets taken off to Wakanda um, at that same point the Wakandans give Bucky something in a suitcase presumably a suit to give to Sam then we go to New Orleans um, Sam has Sam's back with his family um, they're sorting out the boat and stuff he calls in a few favours from people in his community um, to help him fix up the boat so they can sell it and then Bucky comes and helps him. They have a little like bonding thing. Then they have like a nice little talk about um, what's it called? About what it uh, means to give up the shield and get, um, and all that stuff like that, and how how it, it would affect him like racially and stuff like that. Um, we also see uh, Sam going to Isaiah Bradley, and um, they have a, a little chat about what, more about what happened to him. Um, Isaiah calls Sam a fool for wanting to be Captain America. Uh, for so. Uh, he says that any black person who wanted to be Captain America is a fool or something like something along those lines I'm paraphrasing um, and we see Sam training with the shield um, and then also we see uh, Sharon Carter call up the French geezer from the first episode 
to meet up with um, Carly and the Flag Smashers. And then the Flag Smashers invade the GRC, um, who are about to pass a bill to... Uh, what's it called? Who are about to pass a bill to take all the refugees during the blip and put them back in the countries that they used to be in. But then they invaded it. And then I think the episode ends. I think that was pretty much it. Oh, yeah. And then there's a small mid credit scene where John Walker makes a shield out of presumably tin. Yeah. Okay. What did you think of the episode in general? Um, I enjoyed the episode. Like, I've enjoyed most of the episodes. Um, I think I enjoyed last week's uh, more than this one. It it felt in part... Well, to most the bits that were in um, New Orleans, apart from Sam training with the shield, the bits in New Orleans, I was thought... It felt like I was watching like the last episode of the season, like where they, wrap, where they kind of like wrap everything up. So I thought the tone there was quite weird for me. Um, that aside, um, I enjoyed... Um, majority of the rest of the episode. I'm still curious to see what is going on with Shankar. I'm assuming she's the power broker because it can't at this stage it can't really be anybody else. But uh, let's see what happens there. Um, I like the bits with John Walker and him being stripped of Captain America and how um, that is probably going to turn his personality now into thinking that he's he thinks that he's a good guy, but he's clearly not. And it's not that he's like inherently a bad person. He thinks he probably thinks he's doing good but for the wrong reasons. And the fight at the beginning, when um, <laughs> when he's fighting uh, Bucky and uh, Sam, I thought it was actually really cool. But when they were fighting, and he was about to kill... Is it Sam or Bucky? He was about to kill one of them with the shield. I was like, right, again? Like, did you get it's like his WWE like, finishing move, mate, isn't it? Fucking hell, he, he was out for blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was like funny, it. I'm not going to lie. Um... But yeah, man, over, over, I know you guys aren't as, uh, are a bit um, less enthusiastic about the series, but overall, I'm, en- I'm enjoying it quite a bit. And it, for me, um, at the minute, I think I always say, like, I don't watch many series where I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, there's only 10 minutes left, or oh, there's only 15 minutes left. This, for me, is one of those series where I kind of just want, want to see more. So, yeah, I like it. I mean, I don't disagree with you about wanting to see more, but I feel like it's for the opposite reasons as to what, like, not opposite reasons, but it's not for the right reasons. Like, I feel okay. like, I feel like, I I watch this because I like Marvel, and I'm not saying it's a bad series, but I think there's like parts which could be shortened quite a bit, and I feel like there could be a bit more entertainment value. But that's probably not what this series is about. Like, it's more to tell a story of how someone is going to become. <coughs> the new symbol of hope for the world, isn't it? It's essentially Falcon's journey to being Captain America and Bucky's journey to redemption. Mm. Is what um, and it's also to show that... I, I actually saw a fun article... I saw an interesting article, actually, that in the films... Um, don't think Steve Rogers ever announced himself as Captain America. He always announces himself as Steve Rogers. While throughout this series, White Russell has just consistently named himself. Mm. He, I am Captain America. It's like he's doing it to prove a point while Captain America was doing it because he thought it was the right thing to do. So it's like you see the polar opposites, which I quite like, I quite like seeing. Mm. I quite differences um in character um this episode like i said i think there's parts that dragged a bit um is it carly becoming carly he's now become like this i really i'm gonna kill everyone i don't give a shit like uh he's a bit 
off base, I guess. But I suppose we were, it was always going to end up that way, wasn't it? Um, I think she gave that vibe when she killed that random building for the people in episode three, I want to say, or maybe episode four. Episode three or four, yeah, yeah. you're right. So she, she went off the rails early on anyway. Mm. I, uh, I, I, do you know what? Like, I really hope Sharon Carter isn't the power broker, but I, Me too. I, I am of agreement that she does seem like the only likely person at this point. Unless yeah. the far-fetched video I saw the other day, like I was saying in the chat, um, of um, is it Isaiah? Isaiah Bradley. About Isaiah Bradley being the power broker and the fact that, like, this person basically what they said was like. If you look at Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, you look at Hulk, you look at, uh, there was like two other films he named, there's like this underlying thing where they show you this character as the villain, but really they're not the the actual villain, they're like a, a secondary villain. So like, I think he was like, Iron Man 1, you think it's all the people who've held him cap- captive, but that ends up being um, the guy we're talking about. Obadiah. Yeah, Obadiah. In the second film... I think it's like you're you're perceived to you're perceived to believe it's the, believe it's the guy with the electronic uh, Stark weapons, which he technically is. I that one I didn't really agree with because they then said it was the it was the guy who was also trying to make uh, weapons. Uh, yeah, like, Hammer, Justin Hammer. Yeah. And the third one, obviously, well, we all know that one, don't we? That where it's the Mandarin, and then it actually. I would have. Sorry, Chris. Actually, sorry. Finish. First, no, no, yeah. no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, and what someone else said so yeah yeah i would have uh, do you know what i think that that theory would have more merit if we were watching an iron man series um the fact that this is a, a if that was think i think that then that would lead to okay this is a theme of things that happen in iron man iron man's world but i don't think it really lends itself as much to this um to this story personally but yeah and uh, just in general i just don't think that it shouldn't, to, to me, it should be odd for them to paint Isaiah Bradley. I said in the group chat, I think it'd be odd for them to paint him as a villain after the story of it him would, that they've portrayed. would really break the, the story they're trying to tell, I would say. Um, yeah. probably not the right word, but I think you get what I mean. But um, yeah. to be honest, like, Iron Man very... It, Iron Man films have always been a bit like uh, there's always something else at hand. While mm. Captain America's very, always been very political, while Thor's been very... I guess it's the jokey one of the bunch, isn't it? It's always been a bit of a laugh. Um, although he does have, although he does lose the most out of everyone, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Actually, no, they all equally lose shit, actually. They all equally lose shit. Thor no, loses his entire yeah. planet. Thor loses everybody, yeah. Yeah, loses the planet, all his family, true. But yeah. then Steve Rogers, until the very last film, loses his whole family. His family was already dead, though, to be fair, before the, his mum and dad were already dead before. Captain oh. Oh, then, yeah, then, yeah, okay. Thor loses his physique. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure he gets it back within a click of the fingers. Yeah. Same, I can't. Uh, not that I ever had a physique. <laughs> 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 um, anyway, uh, yeah, I think what I'm slowly learning to accept with these MCU series is their market and a purposeful difference to the, the tones and, and the um, sensibilities of the films. So obviously we've, we spoke at length about One Division and how it was like subverting expectations and it was actually just about grief and the exploration of that. So this, this 
series, I sort of thought it would be a lot more, more generic. Episode one was quite generic, and there's a lot of things generic about this series in terms of mm. just like straight up action. But what I didn't expect was its kind of nuance with regards to like race relations yes. and and how they explore that within the superhero genre. Because again, not not that it's an excuse, because if anything, then not doing it in the films is a bit cowardly. But it it's sort of thing that you know execs might think. Or oh, if we start talking about race in Captain America two, then people might not want to come and see it, which is not the right attitude to have. But mm-hmm. you know that is probably uh, a legitimate uh, thing that they might think. Um, not legitimate, but like a genuine thing they might think. But it, them exploring this in the in the series is really, I think, uh, you know, cr- kudos to them. You know, you've got the discussion from Isaiah Bradley about, you know, why would you want to be a Captain America? Because, yes, Steve Rogers was great, but what it symbolises is all of this. and. Yeah what they did to treat me and the way they treated me and stuff. So it's really interesting. And I, when he was listening, when he was saying that, I was sort of thinking like, you know, if, if uh, Sam Wilson does become Captain America, does that undermine Sam? Or is it sort of like, no, I can show you that I can overcome this. Or I was thinking like, does he just become a completely new character himself? Like rather than using the Captain America name, he mm. has a different name to sort of start afresh and and not have the baggage that Captain America brings. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. There's also the um, there was also a hint that this Torres guy might become the new Falcon because okay. he sort of leaves his wings with him, doesn't he? He says, "Oh, yeah. you keep them, I don't need them," or something. Yeah. Um, there was this. Oh, just quickly to um, oh, did he get destroyed? Yeah, but he gives them that like, he gives the broken wings to Torres. Um, but yeah, then just to quickly like, back up what you were saying about um, the race, the race talk and stuff like that. I think it's really, really well done, and not like um, not to the point where it it uh, like it um what's it called? It overshadows like the whole series, but it is they do put it in there at at good intervals to kind of like where it makes sense. Um, and I really enjoy that aspect of it, and I think it's interesting how um, how they kind of like inject this this little bit of realism into this fantasy world that we that Marvel have built, and mm. it is questions that people would like people in general would like you would ask yourself like there's always a joke that where like um, where I always see people say um, uh, Batman has a has a mask um, that shows his face so that people know <laughs> so that people know he's a white man. <laughs> so they don't, uh. So they don't start like uh, you know actually like properly trying to prosecute, him, which I think is funny. But obviously, like there is an element of like oh like realism to that kind of thing. And I think there was an argument that people were saying on Twitter. And I'm just going to talk about it really quickly. Where um, uh, I think Sam says something along the lines of like we've never seen a black Captain America, something like that. And then people on Twitter were arguing um, about uh, Rhodey being um, Iron Patriot, which is also which he was at the time a symbol of America, but it's not anywhere near the same thing because one, no one gives a fuck about um, Iron Patriot. Um, two, you can't see Rhodey's face. Um, and three, um, Rhodey's in, is Iron Patriot for what, one film maybe? Iron Man 2? I think, and after that it becomes War Machine. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. Yes, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think, and there's a lot of people I think who are, 
showing themselves to be like uncomfortable and saying I've seen people say that this is that the conversation between where Sam uh between Sam and Bucky where Bucky apologizes for not considering the racial element of it before Steve handed the shield to Sam and him apologizing for that. I've seen people say that that's some of the stupidest dialogue they've ever seen in the MCU. And to that people like that I would think like the episodes like this are made for you to make you feel uncomfortable. Because clearly you need some education on this <laughs> on this element of like our world kind of thing. They're a bit um, blind. A bit blind to the truth. Yeah, exactly. Um and yeah man, it's just and even like the way they linked it into um uh, Isaiah Bradley talks about the the, the the Tuskegee Airmen and all that and stuff like that and like the Red Tails and, and things like that involved in his story and I think just encompassing that with like this uh, the MCU with real world stuff I just think they've done it so well and I just, I'm really enjoying what I'm watching so I, I just think to an extent and correct me if I'm wrong but like you know Bucky apologising for not having considered that is probably a realistic thing because yeah. if you said to me like oh you know um, you know, I disagree with what you say or I, I'm not comfortable with this because of this and I hadn't considered that because I'm not a black person, then I'd be like, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Rather than like, oh, you're wrong. Why would you say that's so unrealistic, mate? Like, This is the divide in our generation, isn't it? There's like, the pe- there's people like, well, I, I'm naive to some things, but I'm willing to listen and learn. But there's mm. other people who are so like, Set in their ways, or not even set in their ways. They just don't. They just don't want to believe what's there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think oh, I've people never been racially abused, so it doesn't happen. This like, thing, like, <laughs> great. I think we. I feel like we. I don't say we grow up in a generation because I feel like people are always like this. But there's people in the world who are so afraid to be wrong. Like yeah. They just kind of like whenever they hear something that it goes against their original view, they just double down on the original view rather than being open and accepting to that there might be differing opinions that are. That can that are make your one like incorrect, and mm. people are unwilling to learn. Instead of wanting to learn, they just say, "Okay, now I'm going to just bury my head in the sand." Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, as long as like as, as people about these topics and they can learn and they can take their own opinion about it, but as long as they listen and try and take it in. Mm. But like I said, like people want to stick the. You're cutting up a bit there, Chris. I don't no, know if it's just me. I, I was trying to say something, but I couldn't, I couldn't formulate it, so I kind of just slipped away with what I was saying. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, it wasn't me cutting It was my brain, my brain going blank, mate. So. Oh, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, my frustration with this series is, whilst I like the thematic points that they touch on, um, and even, to an extent, the Flag Smashers um, kind of political agenda is, in and of itself, really interesting but they just don't dedicate enough time to the rest of it like we're five episodes in going into the season finale and i think we've had six like six minutes of carly screen time you know Mm. barely anything and their whole political agenda has to be there's so much exposition every time they're in a scene because they don't get they get like one or two scenes an episode Mm. um and i just sort of think they may be in the season that tried to do too much um and i know that you've disagreed with that in the past obes but like you know you you've you've got the sam and bucky um kind of romance frenemy thing you've also got the kind of john walker 
Captain America, who should be the next Captain America. They've now introduced Isaiah Bradley. You've got Zemo, who crossed himself off Bucky's list and maybe has, has been taken back to Wakanda. So that's sort of resolved, and the Wakanda element has also been resolved now. You've still got the power broker, like Sharon Carter, apart from episode three, where she was in it a little bit. We've seen one conversation in each subsequent episode. Mm. Um, and I just sort of think, you know, and the main... I guess the main villain is, is John Walker, but Carly's and the Flag Smackers, Smashers, seem to be they're more interesting than they've been given, they've been allowed to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, mm. the, the, the sum is more interesting than the parts we've been given. Um, I just think it's a shame. And now they've introduced this Bow Woman, who we presume is the cameo that they teased. Um, Although a cameo for someone that you don't know in terms of their character is maybe not necessarily a cameo to me. But Julia Louise Dreyfus um, has a character called Baron uh, Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, who I think in the comics is like Madame Hydra or something. Mm. So don't know where that's going to go. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like they're biting off a lot more than they needed to. Um, and it's to the detriment of some of the subplots to me like, um, what, do you, what do you expect from episode 6 like are we going to get a resolution to Isaiah Bradley to Sharon Carter all of this stuff yeah. I would say um, so the flag smash stuff will get resolved um, um, Falcon will become whoever he's going to become whether that's Captain America or whether that's a new uh, superhero That'll be that. Um, Bucky's going to cross the old um, Chinese or Japanese or Korean apologies, I don't know, that old man off his list. Um, Do you think uh, the man will forgive him? Say that again? Do you think the man will forgive him or push him away? I don't know. It's tough to say. It's tough to say. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I reckon he won't. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with he won't forgive him. But it'll bring Bucky peace either way because at least now he's kind of got it off his... Of his chest, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the Val, the Madam Hydra stuff, will, I, we've got to imagine at this point carries on into season two. Um, what's her name? Power Broker, that's got to carry on in season two as well. She might even be, yeah, Sean Carter might, or whoever it is, might actually be the actual villain of season two. Um, Wait, maybe like, is season two announced then? No, but I'm, well, okay, yeah, to be fair, it hasn't been, but I am going off the assumption that there will be a season two. I could be completely wrong in fairness and this could all just be smashed into the last episode, which I just don't think it will because it wouldn't be good. <laughs> so I'm just kind of going off hope here. Um, and what else was there? What else? Well, uh, Isaiah Bradley stuff. Um, I don't know. Actually, I actually don't know. That's the one that I'm a bit like, because mm. I suppose him and Sam, have, he had that chat where he met him and now he had the second chat. So yeah, I'm wondering where that's going to go. I'm curious about that one. I feel like, I feel like they could have ended it um, like this could be the last time we see Isaiah Bradley until maybe he's, he or his grandson who's also superior in the comics pops up in another season or franchise but yeah I'm not too, that's the only one I'm not too sure about really I think they'll wrap up the other stuff in next episode or season 2 what, what do you guys think Sharon Carter's motivation for I think the guy's name is Bartok or something for for releasing him, knowing that he's probably gonna hurt or kill Bucky and or Falcon. Like, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's Reve- like, revenge, maybe. I don't know. It's so not Sam, their Sam, fault. Well, Sam, I think I think Sam makes a point in um, he says a few times in episode four that he feels like, or maybe episode three, about him feeling like guilty that like he didn't do more for Sharon. So maybe Sharon resents him because they didn't do. Uh, maybe once she resents him because he didn't do enough to um, to help to help to help her. Uh, her and him and, and Stephen, whoever else, and two, maybe she resents him because the government. Um, he he broke away as well. He broke the rules too. Him and Steve and Scarlet Widow and who? Scarlet Widow, Scarlet Witch. No, Black Widow. Sorry, they all black rules. But she's the only one who has to suffer the consequences. So maybe she just re- resents him for that. Or Aaron Carter and the Flag Smashers have a bigger boss. And they're just the pawns in the play. Mm. Yeah, I'm interested, to, and I don't know how long episode six is reportedly going to be, but um, it's, it's all come around quite quickly, and then we've got, we'll have about six weeks before any more Marvel stuff. Oh, which so long. The Ugh. longest it's been since January. Yeah, <laughs> or February. so long. I've actually watched, I'm actually try, I'm trying to wean myself uh, onto watching other Disney Plus stuff, because I feel like I'm not making the most of my subscription. Oh, oh, I definitely am not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I started watching the Mighty, I, Duck, the Mighty Ducks uh, <laughs> TV program the other day. Right. Um, I, I, I I don't think Invincible's getting much better either. But hey, we could talk about that when the season. Yeah, I'm. Do you know what is with that one? Yeah, I'm very like. I'm watching it. and I'm like, yeah, it's all right. But I, people are really, really love it. Like, really love it. Like, on, I see on Twitter anyway, and I, I watch reviews like, and stuff. I feel like I know what's going to happen. Mm. I feel like from the episode one, I knew his dad didn't come to the planet to restore it. I feel like his dad came. It's almost like Dragon Ball Z. His dad came to the planet to actually take it over. Mm. Opted not to. Now he's run out of time. Mm. He's hurt for the big bad guys. And then I think maybe he thought if he builds up his son, they can take on the bad guys. Yeah. But son's getting absolutely battered. And then they didn't. They, didn't really, they so far have not explained much more about that creature that absolutely battered uh, Invincible. Yeah, apparently he, in the comments, he just pops in and out of issues. <laughs> just every now and again to fuck people up and then but pops up again. <laughs> that's what's pissing me off, is like every episode just seems to like barely relate to the one before. Yeah. Like, there's just new, new villains that come in and then go, and it's like, well, hang on, there's a, there's a bigger plot here. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's too long and, and a bit generic for me. But, um... Let's move on to one of the other films that we've watched. Uh, not an Oscar contender, although it did get nominated for a couple of Golden Globes. Not that that particularly says much. Um, the Mauritanian. Uh, which... Before we get started, sorry, full disclosure, I haven't watched the last 20 minutes of this, so apologies, but I don't mind if you spoil it. Okay. Um, it's dry, anyway. You say it's dry. <laughs> Such, uh, like honestly, like when you when you described it to me, I was hyped. I thought, yeah, okay, this will be well. Like it is interesting, but it was it wasn't hard to watch. It was hard to watch at points, but like it was just so like dry. That's all I can explain it as. It was just dry, and that sounds really like inconsiderate if, because it's based on a true story. But they it there was. It was missing some entertainment factor. 
Okay. I don't know. What, what did you, what did you expect of it? Like, what would you like to have seen that would have made it more entertaining for you? This, this is also another issue. I like, I don't know. Like, to begin with, I was kind of intrigued. Like, they called the guy to one side. They were like, "Oh, we think you've done it. Cool." Like, I thought they'd dive into that a bit more, but like, within a click, he was in prison, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Then we saw like his life in prison and how he was coping with it. And I was like, okay, interesting, right? And then I think because it, they did so much information off him and redacting, looking at redacted files, like, I'll be honest, they could have looked at files for about 30 seconds, a minute, and that's all they needed to do, just show us it was redacted, show us they were shocked, and then spoke to the guy a bit more and, like, mm. make a bit of his story as they as they imagined it. Did they spend that long on the redacted stuff? I feel like it didn't feel that long to me. They they spent a bit of time on it, then they went back to it and they were like to the guy, why is it so much redacted? And he was like, well, it's government secrets, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Then they again. Then the mm. army guy comes back to it because he's like, oh, we've got the non-redacted stuff. Mm. Read, he reads it. Then, I don't know if you've got to this point, Oz, but have you seen the techniques they use to get... Yeah information out of him like the crazy lights and the, yeah 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 yeah. this stuff like that that was mad mm. um and then like the guy reads more stuff and he's like okay i'm not going to do this mm. and he basically then gets called a traitor. Traitor. that's as far as i got yeah and then the lady then i think looks at the files again if i'm mistaken yeah so so yeah. um this is this is uh, a true story um, dramatization about Mohamedou Oud Salahi, who uh, the U.S. government sort of thought helped orchestrate uh, the plot of 9/11, um, and it kind of chronicles him from being captured in Mauritania uh, to um, Nancy Hollander, who's played by Jodie Foster, and Terry Duncan, played by Shailene Woodley, um, like taking on his case to sort of be like, hey, this is you know, anti-constitutional. Um, and then Benedict Cumberbatch plays a lieutenant who is charged with prosecuting um, uh, Oud Salahi. And uh, it's basically like, you know, this guy killed your friend who was on that plane, so you need to fucking put him away, get the death penalty. And it basically just shows how the government, the US government um, in Guantanamo Bay, which is on Cuba, were like, you know, yeah, torturing him using like stress positions and and basically they rape him don't they um in a way force him to have sex with someone um to like get a false confession and then um yeah like chris was saying uh benedict cumberbatch's character is is a devout christian and and he there's a there's a passage that the pastor reads out and it says like you know we're here for all humans and everyone should be treated with respect or something and it's at that point he's like nah i can't do this because he's not convinced that they acted lawfully and then he gets called a traitor, and ultimately, I think he allows uh, Nancy Hollander to read the unredacted stuff, and then it ends with the court case where Osalahi um, convinces the judge that uh, he was unlawfully jailed, um, and then it tells oh, you in what, my... what fucking good did that do him? Yeah, well, it says at the end, so like I think he was in prison for like eight years by this point, and then. Okay. Then they appealed his. They appealed that decision. He was in prison for another seven. So in total, it was, it, it was over fourteen years. Um, and then he was finally released and, and never charged with anything. 
and it and it, it tells you in like a postscript that like of the 700 and something people that have ever been held at Guantanamo only what is it 20 of them have ever been charged with anything yeah and, and of those 20 like over 10 of them were released on appeal or something so like you just think like wow yeah crazy that's Man. crazy but and um, then and then he published a book as well obes the bloke okay the government have redacted like loads of the stuff within the book as well that's so it's like it's writing and it's just like black lines over it i actually kind of want to read it i'd lo- a lot i'd love to see if like this executed his vision or what actually happened to him like spot on but then so is, I think, the, huh? is, the fil- is the film based on his book yeah okay uh, and you and you see footage of him, like real life footage of of him, um, kind of once he's out, and he's still friends with the lawyers. And um, I mean, this guy just seems like so kind of bubbly, mm. considering he was in prison in Guantanamo Bay for fourteen years for something he did not do. Mm. And he's just like he's just just like so positive, and it's all about that like mental attitude, but. I, I think for me, I mean, Chris, you described this film as dry. Like, for me, it's it's a case where the story is so much more interesting than the way they actually portray it. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. So like, I think Tahar Rahim, who plays Muhammadu Usali, Salahi, sorry, is really good in this film. Like, I think his acting was great. But for the rest of them, like, there's some starry names in there. Jodie Foster, Shailene Woodley, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Zachary Levy, who, by the way, is wamp. Um... They just don't really get like that much to do. There's a lot of time, like you say, they just sit there reading documents, and it's not that interesting. And like, you would have thought there'd be more of a, more of a legal kind of back and forth. Like, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch going, "Oh, we need to prosecute him. This is all the evidence we've got." But he he sort of spends most of the time going, "We don't have any evidence," and then decides the evidence they do have is not worth pursuing. And it's so it, there's no. Not tons of tension, considering it is a real life story. Yeah, I just, like obviously like my empathy kicked in quite a bit in this film, like especially when he was being beaten down and uh, all this torture and stuff was happening to him. Like especially like I mean, all of it was bad, but like the bit where he's on like the speedboat and they're just like smashing his face through the water, I was like, it's like raw. They're trying to kill him, man. Like what is going on? Did he get raped as well? Or did he? Was he dreaming that? Uh. I think the woman sticks her hat. I don't know if she has sex with him, but there's definitely some kind of sexual assault there, yes. It did say in the documents that um, the lieutenant reads, it says forced sexual intercourse. Okay, there you go. <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, why did that... Was that the lieutenant lady as well who did it? Or that lady, whoever she was, in the interrogation room? Is she the one who did it? I think so, yeah. She no. put a mask on and stuff. Like, what mm. fuck? Because it's, um, what's it called, isn't it? It's uh, Haram. So yeah. probably thinking that would force him to, you know. I, I understand why, she, what she was getting at. She wanted to do it because obviously it goes against his religion and mm. not right. But like, to get someone in that position to do it, it mind boggles me. And then the fact... The thing, they, they do it under the guise of like, people say, oh yeah, well, yuck, you, you do it for your country kind of thing. So yeah. they think, so, you, so you, you end up justifying yourself doing these really fucked up things in the name of, you know, America or whoever. 
and then you see afterwards that <laughs> all the stuff he did was 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 for naught because like it didn't even get garner anything. It was fucked up, and it didn't even garner any uh, useful information or anything useful that could actually be used to prosecute or find the people who um, committed the crimes. So yeah, so you're you're doubly a fool. Yeah. Wait, can someone explain to me though? Like, so there was one point, like shortly after that all happened, where he did confess, right? Obviously, yeah. it, was a, it was obviously it's a confession, but what actually ended up happening with that? I must have missed a bit because I feel like they didn't really mention it. So he confesses. Think... Oh, sorry, go on, go on. Then. Oh, I was just going to say what they've said is because of all the the kind of the files they found that his confession was under duress anyway, so uh, it it doesn't hold up in court or something. Yes, yeah, it's, it's inadmissible. All right, so yeah, okay, so as I thought then, okay, because I, I felt I didn't touch on it too much that he had done that. I thought there'll be some like outrage from the lawyers, like, oh my god, don't do that. Well, but yeah, um, just madness, man. I still can't. It's, like, it's, it's it's mad to think that these things have, have happened, have happened. Yeah, and it's it's funny because like it's not obviously it's not funny, but like it's just like it's weird because like no one. There's so much of a cloud under everything that happened relating to 9/11, like how the um, the Al Qaeda group was started and how who they were funded by, and obviously the actual 9/11 happening, who was behind it, who the conspiracy behind that, and then you've got the aftermath of trying to find out like, who did it and what they did to try and find out who did it. Like there's so much like different little pieces of like the of the puzzle kind of thing, and like nobody nobody knows the definitive story. Well, yeah. I imagine someone does, but it's not f- fucking documented. Do you know what I mean? I think we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of the film though before you before the last twenty minutes? Um, I would agree with Chris in the fact that I do think it was a bit dry at times. I think I I enjoyed it in general. Um, well, to the to the point that uh, I got to, but I do think uh, there were moments where I thought it dragged a little bit. Um, I thought that. Jodie Foster's character and Charlene Woodley's character, they didn't really... And to be honest, like, I think like you said, Glenn, like, and Benedict Cumberbatch's character, they didn't really captivate me all that much. Like, I wasn't really... wasn't really all that bothered about, about them. And, and, like, I cared about... Uh, what's his face? I can't remember his name, sorry. Salih? Slale? Slally? Old Slahi. Slahi, that's the one. Not Salih. Slahi. I cared about him, and I was like, oh, it's raw on him. But, yeah, when it got to the actual lawyers trying to get him out i was just a bit like eh, do i really care i think they they tried to show how people how the american public um treated the, the lawyers at the time like they show basically they only show one scene of basically people calling them traitor lawyers da, 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 da. and then charlie woody's character says oh yeah my dad won't speak to me i'm not allowed around thanksgiving blah blah and i'm like cool like show us a bit more of that and what you yeah. sacrificed to try and to try and um free an innocent man because the underlying fact about um, under like, the underlying theme of this film is that in America, um, everyone is 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 due a free and fair trial, innocent before proven guilty, and all the stuff like that. So it it's, it'd be good to show what you would sacrifice to uphold the American Constitution. Um, yeah. But they only show literally show that one scene, and then uh, Jodie Foster was like, "Yeah, get the fuck out." And then, well, I, I don't know what happens at the end, but I don't see you don't see her. Again. <laughs> I didn't see yeah, her again after that. So she does come back. Oh, okay, she, cool. She um she gets some. Doc, she finds a document and on her desk and then gives it to her because I think uh, Slahi, there's a hint that he sort of like maybe fancied her a little bit right. or you know took a liking to her and then there's some document that gets found on the desk and she rejoins the case. But 
there was no scene in the courtroom where they were like arguing, like you know this is against his rights. He basically just does an impassioned speech, and then it then it cuts to the like you know he was found not guilty, and but then he was still kept on appeal. Um, but was the, bit... the Obama administration didn't they? They they basically appealed it his his release, and that's why he stayed in the prison for another seven years. Yeah, mad. But yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting story, just not particularly well executed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, do you yeah. think like this all star all star cast? Because one, it's like not not it wouldn't be the highest budget film in terms of what they have to pre- present to us, and two, maybe because the Amer- American public won't take to it too well in how it perceives their or has perceived what they did following the attacks on them yeah i would say that it's it's not been that big of an issue before because i feel like a a large a large large chunk probably more central to like liberal side of america realized that what fbi cia whoever did at that time was really fucked up and i think i feel like i've seen more than one uh, i feel like i've seen more than one film or tv show either criticizing or showing um, that the interrogation techniques that they used at that time were fucked up. I think people. I think I feel like a lot of American people would acknowledge that you know what they did at that time, like they should be doing better, I guess, and probably upholding the laws that they set for themselves, like not cruel and unusual punishment and all that stuff. Mm. Although I don't know how much of Homeland both of you two have watched, but that that's very much in the vein of like. Uh, we're America, we can do what we want where we want, and it's yeah. great, and it's, it's our constitution, and we love it. I mean, when, yeah. when American Sniper came out, that was like a collective orgasm of the entire nation. It was like, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, Americans killing people, yes. <laughs> you know, but hey-ho, sorry to any American listeners who disagree with that, but hey. Um, I think the best thing about this film is that it, you know, made me realise there's a country called Mauritania. Yeah, I had no idea that was a place. Initially, I was like, oh, he's, he's Mauritian. Mm. No, he's Mauritanian. So mm. it's a country in West Africa. Is it West or is it North? Northwest. Is country or is it, is it like a uh, small province? or whatever? No, no, it's the 28th largest country in the world. Swear <laughs> down! Right. Yeah, and 90% of it is Sahara Desert. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Mental. <laughs> There's this whole huge landmass that how little of the world film has, has made us aware of. So thank you, Kevin McDonald, the director, for making us aware of one of the countries mm. of the world. But um, yeah, so yeah, I'd give it. I'd give it maybe like a six and a half. Don't know what you guys. I probably agree with you there. Yeah, I'd say the same. And last but by no means least, uh, we will talk about. Palm Springs, which according to Wikipedia is a science fiction romantic comedy film. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, Just quickly, right? Um, sorry, Glenn, before you get into it. Actually, no, I'll let you get into it first, then I'll ask my question. Okay, so uh, basically the plot of Palm Springs is um, there's a guy called Niles who uh, is at a wedding with his girlfriend um, and uh, it's the his girlfriend's friend's wedding and basically he's like dressed really casually and and you're sort of like what's his vibe he's a bit strange drinks a lot of beer which man after my own heart and then he does a speech at the wedding and 
um, and then kind of starts getting with this girl uh, called Sarah, and um, then they go in, Then he starts getting chased by someone with a crossbow, uh, and then gets injured, runs into the cave, uh, is followed by Sarah, and then the day resets, and then basically it's like a Groundhog Day scenario where um, Niles, who's played by Andy Samberg, and subsequently Sarah, played by uh, Kristen Milotti, uh, relive the same day over and over and over again. Um, but eventually, sort of, I guess, due to proximity uh, and them both sharing this experience, they kind of fall in love. Um, yeah, so that's that's basically the plot of the film in a nutshell. Mm. What do you think, Obes? Um, I thought it was actually really good. Um, I really like Andy Samberg, um, and although I haven't seen, sorry, I've forgotten her name, Christina. Was it Christina? Sarah is the character. What's her name in real life? Kristen. Kristen. Um, yeah. Although I've, I've only seen her in um, How I Met Your Mother. I liked her in that too. So I had high hopes for the film. Um, I do think, and I, this is what I was going to ask. So do you think that this whole, the Groundhog Day plot is one of the most used or overused plots of all time? I'm just curious to know you guys' thoughts on it because I feel like every other film I watch has this element in it where, or t- even TV shows where stuff just keeps happening like the Groundhog Day thing I don't know we've had a fair amount recently I mean you've had the Happy Death Day films yeah um, and then also uh, the short film Two Distant Strangers kind of has that same plot mm. um, I think it's an interesting plot it depends on the way you use it mm. Um, I think this does it in like a quirky way, which I quite mm. liked. Uh, the fact that, you know, by the point, but, you know, it starts in media's res, as the media studies teacher would love to would say. Uh, so he's already experienced, we don't even know how many yeah. of these days, and he's just accepted it. Yeah. And then by kind of accident, someone else has experienced, is now in it, and then he sort of has a new outlook on life. So that's that's a different way of showing it. And the way that Two Distant Strangers uses the plot device as well is, is different and unique. So I don't mind that, you know, the plot device being used multiple times as long as it's done in a different way each time. Okay. That's fair. Um, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, no, in general, I really like the film. And I think those two have really good chemistry. Um, and I think that carries that carries obviously the majority of the film. Um, like you said, I think they do put like a nice little twist on the whole Groundhog Day plot. Um, and yeah, I think I just enjoyed like the antics that was going on. I found it thought it was really funny how she just kind of like learns quantum physics <laughs> and figures out how to <laughs> figures out how to um, get out of the what's it called. But yeah, other than that, I thought I really enjoyed myself. I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, because I don't. I'm not a massive rom com guy, but um, when I do watch them, I like I, for at least to be a happy ending, and this gave me that, so I was definitely satisfied um, watching it. So it made me like made me laugh, and then I also got back like, the pleasure of um, having knowing that they get they get their happy ending. One quick question that I wanted to ask is that before right at the end, before um, Sarah is about to um, go through the the uh, cave for the last time, she sees the grandma, and the grandma says something along the lines of like. I can't remember what she says, but she basically leads on to the fact that she knows what's happening. Or did anyone else catch that, or was that just me? Thing is, uh, 
she's pure coincidence. Uh, oh, what do you think? Well, what do you think? That she's been through it as well? And she's well, she, really... she, she just said, oh, I expect she'll be going now. Like, good luck. Like, why would she say that? Yeah, because the only other time we see her is she says, oh, that's the best speech I've ever heard you give. Yeah. Or something like that. And it's she's only in those two scenes. And, yeah. and so I was yeah. thinking that maybe maybe she went through that to like prolong her life. Maybe I don't know. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. she's an old woman, so I, it, I, I, I just thought it was really confusing. It would be pure coincidence that she went through it right and knew that it was going to do that to her. Um, yeah, it was. It was just a bit of a. I think it was just a bit of a film like film's way of pushing her to to do it. Not necessarily that she knew about it, but yeah, it's a good point. It was really out of, out of the blue, especially mm. for that. Unless we're just thinking about it too much in the sense that this Sarah character always blows everyone off. Maybe. But I'm only thinking about it because it doesn't make sense. But like, why would she say good luck? Yeah. Like, she's almost like, I don't want to sound like uh, blasphemous here, but she's almost like the overlooker of it. She's mm. like the the God element trying to tell her, no, I'll see you, I'll see you later kind of thing, not... Mm. But, I don't know, yeah. It's, it yeah. is the only exclamation mark, really. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, then also the fact that there's really... dinosaur walking in the background at the end. Oh, were they real? <laughs> oh, they're on drugs. Oh, were they on drugs? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> I was like, there's a fucking dinosaur. What's going on here? Have they gone back in time? I don't know. I thought they were hallucinated. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes more sense then. What did you think of it, Chris? <laughs> I enjoyed it. I like a good rom-com, so... And it's got... A great actor in it, in Andy Samberg. Uh, what to go that for? <laughs> hey, funny, sorry, funny actor in him. Yeah, he's very watchable. I, yeah. I, I really enjoy his camera presence, if that makes sense. I think he's yeah. got a lot of like camera charisma. So, did the ending? Did we leave the ending as the we left? Is it? How was it? Talia and Superman to get married without them knowing that. Is it Talia? Tala, yeah. Tala, and so Tala doesn't know that Sarah slept with Superman. I think we we assume that she doesn't. I don't. I think. Mm. Oh wait, no wait. She maybe mm. she. Actually, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know where they woke up after they went through the cave. We don't know if they woke up the next day or. Yeah, he he says, "Oh, it's November 10th. Because oh, yeah, he does. Because the yeah, neighbours yeah. come back. He says, oh, they were only away for a day or something. Yes, yeah, you're right. So I guess so. I guess they, she does. She doesn't they, know. They kind of fucked it, right? Because there was a lot of things like they could have done on that last day to impact their next day. Yeah. Oh, no, she no, she doesn't tell her. She doesn't tell her because she, she gives a speech right at the end. Um, yeah. And she just says to uh, Superman, she says, oh, yeah, like, uh, protect her or something like that. Or don't fuck this up. She says. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm on Wikipedia, right? And it says in a mid-credit scene, Roy, who is J.K. Simmons' character who tries to kill Niles, mm. getting him in the kind of cave in the first place. Mm. Roy approaches Niles at the wedding, asking about Sarah's plan to escape the loop. When Niles does not recognise Roy, he realises the plan has worked and smiles. Yeah. That makes no sense to me because in November 10th, the, when they escape the loop, they still have all their memories. So why would Roy approaching Niles at the wedding, which took place the day before? Yeah, but no, 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 no. You're missing. I think you're missing the point. No, Roy's still in the loop. She, she uh... sent in the loop. Yeah. So Roy comes to. So Roy might have got it the day they did it, but Roy didn't attend the wedding. But because he's got the knowledge, 
he then goes to the wedding, tries to discuss it with them, realizes they've succeeded, and then then we assume he does it later. Yeah, that's what uh, I, that's what uh, I that makes sense. Okay, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. It's nice though when he eventually. So like when Roy, uh, Sarah basically is like, "I'm going to stop Roy from trying to kill you," and then mm. ends up running him over. Uh, and then later on, when Sarah and Niles have sort of had a falling out, and Niles is really lonely, goes to find Roy. And he's like, why aren't you trying to kill me anymore? And he just, he goes, I've just learned to love this day, you yeah. know, just with his kids, with his wife, you know. So again, that was like a really nice ending, considering that Roy's still in the loop. Like he, he's again, sort of found the joy in that. So it was a really like heartwarming film in a lot of ways, but the fact, I, I just found like subtle bits of it really funny. Like every single scene, like Niles is just cracking open another tinny. Yeah, and I was like, "Yes, that is my guy." And there's also like a few random occasions when characters would just say "shukram" to to something, which is Arabic for "thank you," and there's absolutely oh, no ex- no yeah. explanation of why that is. But there's just a, like thought... you, the grandma says it or something. She goes, "Oh, shukram," and it's like, "Why are yeah. you saying that?" Um, but yeah, there was a couple bits that got me. I, I had to rewind with the bit with um where uh, he's talking to uh, Sarah about um, who he's had sex with and stuff. And then obviously he tells them that he's like um, had a gay experience. Mm. And then he says, oh yeah, I also had one with your dad. <laughs> and then they do the scene with the dad. And, he's, and he's, he goes, um, the dad says, what are we doing? And he goes, I don't know. And they leave for the kiss. <laughs> I was cracking up with that for ages. Literally, I ran that like three or four times. I found that so funny. Um, but yeah, like when he said to her, like he'd never shagged her. And then, like, when they're having the argument, he's like, yeah, like, I haven't showed you, like, a million yeah. times. Yeah, that was like, fucked. Yeah. I was like, oof! Yeah. Yeah, that's another one of those, um, like, sort of consent-type issues, isn't it? It's like, eh, you well, sort she of gave, her... you, make, you make the assumption that she gives, she gives her <laughs> consent every time. Yeah, 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 but in, this, in the sense that, like, them now in that situation where... You know, he told her that they hadn't, and then that okay, sort of yeah. led to them that's, developing that's, feelings and stuff. That's not then. That's no, no. I, I, yeah, that's the wrong term. But in a say something bad about it, that's manipulation of a situation, right? Yeah, manipulation is better. Thing, yeah, mm. um, yeah. I really liked it. Like, I like a quirky indie. Um, I remember hearing good things about it when it came out in the cinema. Um, I think it came out in that weird time when Tenet came out and. Um, there was a, not very much on at the cinemas, oh. but um, yeah, I don't think it was out in the big multiplexes. I think it was more like your, your indie cinemas, which th- there aren't many around where I am. So yeah, I'm glad that Amazon Prime have picked it up. Um, what was the other thing you liked about it, Obes? Um, Cause we cut, I cut you off with the comment about them, thingy. Uh, when they go into the bar and start just doing that random dancing and whatnot, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> But I thought it was going to cut, so like, because obviously they you hear that there's a soundtrack playing at that point. But I thought the soundtrack was going to cut, and it just danced into no music. I thought it would have been even funnier. But yeah, I really enjoyed that bit as well. Yeah, that's solid film. Um, any any other business from you guys? I, I watched I watched the film on Netflix with um the guys from the guy from Maze Runner in. I can't remember what it's called though. Oh, is that like the Love and Monsters thing? Yeah. Is it any good? Yeah, it was alright. Easy watch. I literally saw the kind of poster and I was like, I 
definitely judged it by the cover. I was like, yeah. Did, um, did, yeah. Did you watch the other? Did you watch the other? Um, oh, what is it? There was another Netflix series where all the parents died or disappeared, and the kids basically ruled the world. I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember what it's called. And the kid is looking for the girlfriend. He's upset throughout the whole series, basically, and then he finds her at the end. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. But it's exactly, it's almost the same premise, except when they didn't have an argument. So him and this girl are in love. They get separated. There's different colonies on Earth. And basically, because of the nuclear, the nuclear bombs they used to destroy this meteor, it then, like, toxified the 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 air and it made some creatures large and dangerous and basically they inhabit the world instead of the people while the people live in these little areas and he basically goes radio to radio trying to find her colony and I think it takes five years for him to do it and then he decides to go out looking for her and when he finds her she's already moved she she's like I don't know if I feel the same way as you do she's like almost like she, She's moved on, kind of thing, and then yeah, that's, that's basically the film. Would you recommend if if you've got some free time and it's like you don't mind? It's like a background film in my mind. It's not it's not one of those ones you can really care about. It's like it's all right. I could see there's not going to be a second one, so it's all right. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. I've been I've been binge watching Quantico on on Star on Disney Plus. That's the only thing I've been watching really. Um it's basically just a TV show about um FBI trainees and it kind of like goes back and forth between present day and their training. And in present day there's been a terrorist attack in New York and they're trying to figure out who who sort who um who was behind it basically. And it's to do with whoever was at the Academy, the FBI Academy at that time. So yeah, it's pretty that's a pretty good show. If you if you ever wanna, you know, think oh I need to use make use of my star subscription, I would recommend giving that a start. But it is um, 22 episode season, so it's a bit of a slow. Yeah. I was going to say, I've been watching something almost similar, but, in, but they don't go back in time. I've been watching The Rookie. It's like an American police show. I've heard about that. And the guy is originally a construction worker. Life turns a bit shit, and then he decides to enroll into the police force as a rookie. Mm. And it's just basically his journey as being a rookie. And it's, it's actually, it's alright. 20 minute episodes, quite... 20, 20 episodes a season, twenty minute episodes, breeze through really. I've heard I've heard good things about that. Yeah, so it's quite good. Um, the only the only bit of a question mark over the whole thing is that one of the main actresses in the first series quits, and I think it's due to sexual Ooh. misconduct and racial issues what, in, real, in real life. In real life, from the director or something, or one of the writers. Damn. Uh, is it what platform is this on, Chris? Good question, Ob. Right, never, never mind, never mind, never mind. <laughs> the, the, the Quantico thing sounds a bit like um, Homeland in some regards. ABC. It's on ABC. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it is. It, it's got some very similar vibes. I think Homeland's a bit more mature. I would say there's a lot of. Um, I think someone once described like half of Hollywood now is just um, good-looking people running. Um, and that's just like that is probably quite um, adept for uh, what's it called for Quantico is quite it's probably I would say a bit more dramatised and soap opera like um, than Homeland I think Homeland tries to at least be a bit more 
realistic, I guess. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's probably better. Homeland is better in that way, I would say. But I think I find the characters in Quantico um, easier to to like, I guess. Probably, which is probably why I'm, I binge watched it compared to Homeland, which I'm taking it like a couple episodes at a time. Okay. I mean, yeah, uh, the, the main character in Homeland is is kind of flawed in a lot of ways, which I think mm. is what you know makes her kind of interesting. But I mean, for me, I'm on season five, and oh, yeah, yeah, the first two I think are really good. Mm. Season three is fine. Season uh, but it drops like season four starts slow but gets better and then season five is is okay so far okay because i know that there's only eight seasons and that's it <laughs> only eight <laughs> yeah but i'm like i'm you know i'm already halfway through five so you know not and there's only 12 episodes a season so it's you know the end is nigh i still haven't yeah. finished uh, the finale of season one i started it i just didn't get around to finishing it but when I do, we can talk about. It. <laughs> if you're not really hooked by season, you know, by the end of season one, then you're probably not gonna, you know. It's the, yeah, I'm not hooked. I like it, but I'm not. I'm not like. Um, I'm not obsessed with it. You know. Yeah. But I do. Fair. But I do. I enjoy. I enjoy it. Watching it. Uh-huh. Well, that concludes this episode. Next week, uh, we hope to have Julia on to discuss the Oscars. So they are happening on the 26th of August, uh, August, April, um, which is next Monday. So we'll have a review pod uh, the day after that, um, discussing the winners and the uh, runners-up, I guess, and any omissions. So we could get all your thoughts and hers on that. Um, uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at YCPodcast17. We're on Instagram as Your Average Critics, and you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, and uh the like so please do recommend us to a friend give us five star reviews and all of that jazz keep it sexy peace bye